0: what is going on my name is ed martin this is a brand new podcast called beats of the market where we're going to be talking about markets bands music conspiracy theories policies all of it holy shit! i'm so excited this has been a long time in the making thank you to curtis for being the motivational driving force behind this thanks to scott for pushing me to get my ideas public if even one person listens and takes anything away from this then we've probably done our job This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. I decided to do this podcast because I've become much more interested in economics, finance, and business as it relates to our lives. I also spent a bit of time playing music, different instruments, producing. And all the music that you're going to hear on this podcast, I produced myself. Spent time playing in different bands of different genres. Always loved that. Grew up in a household with Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin. Got a brother, older brother from the 90s. Used to listen to a lot of grunge rock. Got me into more of the metal side. Went through different genres. House, techno, drum and bass, hip hop. Rock, soul, funk, classic rock. Love all of those genres probably equally. Some of these episodes are going to focus more heavily on the music side, and some of them will go quite deeply into finance. I'm thinking this first episode will probably lean towards finance and policy. It's kind of what's happening right now in the moment. Since this is the first episode, a lot of this is going to be learning by doing, so there won't be a particular format. I'm just really excited to be here sharing these thoughts at this crazy time. The fact that you can put money in a market and have more spit back at you just fascinating to me also short selling the idea that if you believe a company is overvalued or fraudulent you can borrow shares sell them into the market buy them back cheaper and split the difference that's important because short selling has been around for a long time it keeps the markets honest it provides exit liquidity most people don't care about short selling they might have heard of a few examples like michael burry's infamous bet against the housing market with Credit default swaps. I think what really made this cycle a bit different was that retail investors and anybody sitting at home with a brokerage account felt like they could really go against the system by trying to squeeze short sellers out of positions by buying shares. And that kind of hit peak around GameStop and AMC, which were ridiculous. When everybody's talking about the markets nonstop, it's probably a sign that there's too much money in the system. blame the government for that. It's all led to increased wealth inequality. So we're looking at the paper wealth of an American being 600% that of the gross domestic product of the economy compared to just two years ago when it was only 300%. So in essence americans are twice as paper rich and the economy is still doing the same thing it was when they were half as rich all of this ties into the shortages that we're seeing if you were to give every american a half a million dollar stimulus check they wouldn't go out and buy homes because there's not 325 million homes and so what you end up with is massive shortages right so we didn't fly we didn't drive We didn't drill for oil, but we all wanted to travel. And now there's a shortage of oil or at least record high gas prices. That's also in combination with the environmental social governance movement, which is falling apart at the seams. There's this picture that I distinctly remember from the pandemic, and it was the ever-given container ship, which is one of the largest in the world, if not the largest. It can hold 20,000 containers, and it was in the ports of L.A., And to me, that was just everybody's stimulus check that went into the the market or Amazon and they all bought Xboxes and Pelotons. The problem is that the people that were working to build those things weren't working. And so as many as 80 to 85% of Americans that didn't need the money, didn't need that excess savings or were still working, just had a massive increase in buying power. And so the result of that is inflation and shortages. You don't plant crops, you'll have food shortages. You don't drill for oil, there's gonna be higher gas prices. You make even more chips, but for two years, everybody just continued buying them, there's gonna be a chip shortage. And prices just keep going up because there's a ton of unearned demand there, which is not matched properly with supply. So that to me is the real nature of the inflation, it has little to do with uh, COVID. So when you go to a restaurant and they say we're going to have to charge you more for chicken because of COVID, it's, n- it's not because of COVID, it's because they, they tried to stimulate the economy and in the process created the, the mother of all inflationary spirals. So the way I see it is there was a combination of demand pull inflation. That was artificially created through stimulus which was completely unnecessary and destructive and the other side of it is the cost push inflation on the supply side something as simple as you being a farmer you have a deep freeze you don't have strawberries so you have to charge more for them but if you were to have suddenly a huge increase in customers you would also have to charge more for those strawberries so the relationship between demand and supply here is critical to understand And it plays a huge factor in the price increases because both sides of the equation have attributed to cost increases. It's easy to say where the problems are and what caused them, but it's more difficult to figure out the solution getting out of it. From 2009 to 2014, the U.S. conducted a program called Quantitative Easing, which is set up in different phases, which is where the U.S. government goes in and purchases federal assets or assets of different types. The goal of QE or quantitative easing is to increase the amount of money in supply, which therefore lowers interest rates. It could also be thought of as underwriting a debt market. Lin describes this as the U.S. being a restaurant that cooks its own food and eats it too. And that's not a problem until you run out of ingredients. You can't print oil. You can't make chips instantly. You can't. Create more ports and more ships with more workers so what they're gonna have to do is if QE expands the monetary supply or removes price discovery from assets because everything seems risk-free due to low interest rates then they're gonna have to do the opposite they're gonna have to tighten the money supply they're gonna have to go in there with a vacuum cleaner and pull out all this excess liquidity but if QE lowers interest rates then by nature, the inverse would have to raise interest rates. The difference between what we're seeing now and the 70s is that the U.S. debt is not 80% of GDP, it's about 130% GDP. So the U.S. is really trapped in this nasty situation where it has to dish out hard medicine in a time when they may not be able to afford higher interest rate payments on the debt. If that happens and the Fed blinks, and reverse its course. There's an argument that gold would go parabolic. I know some people follow Bitcoin, it just hasn't shown its resilience in this environment to a true inflationary shock or loss of confidence in the Fed. I view crypto as a blow-off valve for excess liquidity in the system. It's almost by some nature an extension of the market. So let's jump right into this. It is Sunday, May 22nd. It's been quite an interesting year for the markets. We've seen SPY sell off from, I believe the high is around 4,800 down to uh, you know, 3,900. So you're gonna start seeing those Yahoo Finance articles saying that we're officially in a bear market. I think we're 18.9% sold off. What's been really amazing about this sell-off is one, that it's felt sort of orderly compared to the 2020 sell-off in March where you have the circuit breakers kind of kicking in. It feels like the Fed has kind of pushed rates. They got to a high of 3.2. They've kind of paused and they're looking at capital and credit markets to see if anything freezes up. I don't think they want that. This has been the largest U.S. move in interest rates in 22 years, so it's quite possible you won't find a 30 year fixed rate under 6% for some time the main view at the moment is that we sold off so fast so quickly even if it was an orderly sell-off that we're due for some sort of bounce. historically you would be looking at a average rally of 22% from here it's not always the same you can't just apply some statistical number to everything and it works It's more of a roadmap to assist in the overall market conditions and sentiment. One thing I'd be paying close attention to here is to see if the bond market rallies with the equity market, because these are in pretty tight correlation right now. And if equities rally and bonds don't, I would see that as a red flag because typically fixed income investors are a bit sharper and are paying a little bit more attention to some of the macro details. A rally in bonds could also signal some sort of confidence in the fixed income markets or confidence in US treasuries. The problem is that if you have a flight to safety in treasuries after this horrendous sell-off and rates have to go higher, then mechanically bond prices will have to go down. So I don't like bonds here at all, that's just me personally. You might be able to hedge some of the volatility in the market, but if rates have to go higher, and I think rates are gonna have to go a lot higher than people think, then the sell-off in bonds will continue. The last time inflation was this high in the US was 78 to 84, and Paul Volcker, who was called in to fight inflation, had to raise interest rates 300 basis points at every meeting and that's what it took to to crush the inflation monster. That's what it took to be an inflation fighter. And here we are with higher inflation than that time. Talking about fifty basis points and the market sounds 16% year to date. So the last thing I'm going to talk about is a band called Cloud Kicker which is actually a one man band. The guy's a commercial airline pilot and he's just an incredible technical musician, great drummer, phenomenal guitarist. Some of the stuff is really smooth, relaxing instrumental and then the other stuff is just incredibly progressive technical metal and it's just fascinating that he's able to flex those two genres hardly anything is in four to four time from him it's mostly math rock so a lot of it's pretty unplayable if you don't have a good brain for time signatures anyway that's it for me it's been incredible just getting these thoughts out thank you so much for listening and looking forward to the next episode